The people that work in Congress are some of the like hardest working public servants I've ever met. These are people who get paid terribly, who work way too many hours, and they're all doing it because they feel this like strong sense of like wanting to like do good. I'm Tony and I'm Will. Welcome to another episode of Topophilia. Today we're bringing you another installment of our Wild Work series, which highlights individuals who, motivated by their connections to place, are devoting time and resources to creating something amazing. This time we're talking with Val Cleland. Since she was young, Val has known that she had a passion for protecting the ocean and the communities that rely on it. This past January, after finishing her master's degree, she moved to Washington, D.C. and got to work. As a member of the Senate Commerce Committee, she works to review bills and other legislation for their ability to protect ocean resources and, in her own words, has learned more in six months on the job than in two years of grad school. Join us as Val pulls back the curtain on how our government makes effective policies to protect natural resources. We hope you learn as much from Val as we did. Great. So Val, it's awesome to talk to you. Um, last time I saw you, which I honestly, sometime this winter maybe, uh, you were on your way to Washington, D.C. for this new job. Um, and I would love for you to tell me what you've been up to. Yeah. Um, so I'm doing a one-year fellowship through NOAA, um, so the National Ocean and Atmospheric Administration. Um, and it's called the Knauss Marine Policy Fellowship. And it's for recent student, graduate students um, who had some interest in something marine, be it like oceanography or policy or engineering, but some marine interest. Um, and they place us in D.C. for one year. Um, and I got placed on the Hill. And so I'm working in the Senate. Uh, embrace yourself. Uh, it's a long name. So I work <laughs> on the Senate, <laughs> the Senate Commerce Committee. Um for the minority, so for the Democrats. And specifically, I work on a subcommittee that's called Science, Oceans, Fisheries, and Weather. And my big boss is the ranking member of the Senate Commerce Committee, um, and that is Senator Maria Cantwell of Washington. Uh, and that is where I work. Okay, so does that mean there's also a committee for the majority as well? Yep, yep. So the huh. Senate Commerce Committee is one of the biggest committees in the Senate. And the chair, um, which is the person sort of in charge of the whole committee, is Senator Roger Wicker of Mississippi. And he's in charge sort of of all the Republicans. And Senator Cantwell of Washington is um, sort of in charge of all of the Democrats. And on the Senate Commerce Committee, uh, what the role of it is, because um, I didn't fully understand before I got out here, um, any bill in the Senate um, that touches anything that's in the Commerce Committee's jurisdiction. So in my case, anything that touches science or weather or fish um, has to come through our committee in order to get passed. Um, so our job is to, it's called marking up. So we mark up any bill that touches those areas. Um, and we also hold hearings. And the point of hearings is to educate both Congress and the public about certain topics. So for example, yesterday, um, which was Thursday, um, we had a, um, a hearing on climate change. Well, the Republicans wouldn't let us call it climate change, but it was called like atmospheric science and forecasting innovation. But essentially it was a climate change hearing um, to sort of get that in the official congressional record. 
Wow. Okay. So you guys are literally, so is your day to day involves looking through these bills for anything that's like salmon or weather, and then you just sort of comment on <laughs> the accuracy of, of it. Is that a fair representation? You, you make <laughs> suggestions? Kind of. So they're, you know, classic, there is no typical day to day, but often, um, I'll have a couple meetings with different groups and, you know, sometimes it's environmental groups. Sometimes it's commercial fishing. Sometimes it's other offices. And a lot of times we'll, you know, meet with, let's say Senator Markey of Massachusetts. We'll sit down with his staffers that work on ocean issues. And they're like, okay, we've got a bill that we want to work on. Like, let's sit down. What do we think of it? Do we think the Republicans are going to like it? And then we go meet with the Republicans. We're like, what do we think of this bill? How do we compromise? And then we introduce it. So you're really in the weeds on trying to get these bills passed with as many, like as much support as possible. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, that's, that seems fairly important. I don't know. Like how, how does that, how does that feel? Does it feel good? Does it feel frustrating? Like, yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, this is the best job I've ever had. Um, I feel like every day I come into work and I'm like, you know, sort of fighting the good fight and trying to do as much good as possible. Mostly I'm in like the sort of oceans, fisheries, weather realm of things. Um, but you know, it's, it's really meaningful. And I meet with groups and I don't know, the other week we had a a group of fishermen that came out from Bristol Bay to talk about Pebble Mine. And it was like literally my job just to sit and listen to these fishermen and tell them, you know, luckily like Senator Cantwell hates Pebble Mine. Um, and sort of tell them like, Hey, like people on the Hill have got your back. Like we deeply care about this stuff. And like, I don't know, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. That sounds really fulfilling. Um, is it, was it just chance that you're with Senator Cantwell, who happens to be from Washington, where, where you're from, or was that by, she just happens to be the head of that committee? Yeah. And I, we got to sort of pick where we went. Um, and it was a very natural fit for me coming from Washington to want to work for my home state Senator. Um, but also working on the Senate Commerce Committee, our jurisdiction is of, we have jurisdiction over all of NOAA. And so it's been an amazing opportunity for me, um, to like, I guess really learn about the institutions. And so I have learned all about the weather service and satellites and all sorts of things I never thought that I would care about. Um, and it's literally like my job to care about these like, you know, big government things that like impact people's lives, which I mean, don't get me wrong. Like a lot of my role is like editing and meeting with people. Um, but being a part of that process is really, really cool. Yeah. It sounds super interesting and engaging. Definitely not. I'm sure there's not a dull moment there. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how sort of how you got there? You mentioned that the fellowship was for recent grad students. And so I'd love to hear sort of what you were doing before this. And I don't know, just big picture, kind of what are the, what is it that gets you out of bed and, and sort of brought you to this place? If, if you have an idea, I know sometimes it's sort of murky, but. Yeah. Um, so I'm admittedly one of those like mildly obnoxious people that's always kind of known what she wanted to do. Um, I've sort of had an oceans focus since I was like 10 and obsessed with sea turtles. Um, and I was also really interested in the policy side. Uh, when I was in middle school, I got super into model United nations, hmm. um, and loved the idea of like negotiating solutions, um, which probably made me an obnoxious kid. But 
um, I don't know, I wrote somewhere in some like essay in sixth grade that I wanted to work on national ocean policy, um, which is kind of wild for a sixth grader, like a little ambitious. Um, and that theme sort of carried through. I, I really liked science, but I also really liked writing. Um, and I was lucky enough in high school, um, I got, uh, a full ride scholarship to spend two years at school in Wales. And I went to this, like, sort of call it like a Hogwarts for hippies. It was, um, this program called United World College where it brought students from all over the world together, um, to live in rural Wales and study. And one of the big parts of the school was community service. And, um, I realized the reason that they wanted me to go there is they had a service called the Marine Environmental Monitoring Service, where we like spent time scuba diving and raising lobsters and cleaning up beaches. Um, and I, you know, wrote about that when I was applying to colleges and funnily enough, uh, I didn't manage to pick a college that had marine biology as a major, which in <laughs> hindsight maybe wasn't that wise. Um, but still went into, um, I went to Tufts, uh, with, with you and Tony. And so at Tufts, I ended up, uh, double majoring in international relations and environmental science. Um, and I studied abroad in the Caribbean and did a project on corals. Um, and from there, uh, I was a little lost post-college, um, My other, you know, deep love is, um, spending time outside and outdoor education. Um, and so after college, I accepted a job working for UC Berkeley running their, um, like freshman outdoor pre-orientation program. Um, and I like got to lead trips in Yosemite and I was having a, like, honestly, a really great time. I was really happy. Um, but at the end of that summer, Uh, I called a friend that I went to, to school in Wales with, and he was like, what are you doing? Like, you're supposed to like save the oceans. Like, come on Val. Uh, and sort of like called me back to my, I guess, initial interest. Um, and then that fall I applied to grad school uh, and I picked a program at university of Washington, um, that was a marine science policy hybrid program where I could get both the policy and the science. Uh, I did that for two years. Um, and grad school is, you know, grad school. But one of the best parts of of that is I worked, uh, at an environmental consulting company on the side and really got to see policy implemented like on the ground and what that looked like. Um, and admittedly like had this fellowship that I'm currently doing on my radar. Uh, when I was in college, I volunteered at this like, um, this event in Washington and I met current fellows and I was like, Whoa, like I, that's what I want to do. And so I sort of knew this was something I wanted to, um, apply to. Uh, and so I was like, what, you know, what would be a better way to combine an interest of policy and science than going to work at, in my mind, like the nexus of the science policy intersection. And luckily enough, they, they believed me that I wanted to do it. Uh, and here I am. Wow. That's, uh, I mean, I will admit I was not the sixth grader who knew what he wanted to do. <laughs> I, I don't know what I wrote on that essay, but I'm sure it's not related to what I'm doing now. So that is, I am yeah. sort of I always, mean, yeah. <laughs> what's that? Oh, I was going to say like, you know, looking back, it's very straightforward. I was like super lost. I like thought I, yeah, 
it wasn't quite as clear at the time uh, that this was the path, but. Sure. Um, but uh, it sounds like at some level, you always had a deep passion for the ocean. And yeah. and even if it took some sort of maneuvering and other people sort of calling you back, it it, it seems like this has been a, a string you can kind of draw through your life. And I think that's really important because I think a lot of us, if we think hard, probably do have something, some some like connecting line. And it can mm-hmm. it can be easy to lose that at times. And so I think it's important to sometimes look at that and be like, okay, what is the thing that I've always, uh, you know, really liked to do? I don't know. I think yeah. that's really powerful. And it's cool to hear also that you saw that you identified this role as something like a couple of years ago. Like that is always really fulfilling when you're like, I'm going to do that thing, even if it's going to take three or four years. I think it's important yeah. to remember, like, just because you see it and if you think it's possible and it interests you, like, don't just you know, if it takes a long time, it takes a long time. That's okay. You still got there. So, yeah, it's a little, a little scary now. Cause this was like my goal and now I'm like, <laughs> right, right. Well, we can get to the, we can get to the future in a moment, but I, I, um, when you were in college, you were really focused on the, on the Arctic. Is that correct? Yeah. And, um, what has that come up in your current role? I mean, I know, so you'd mentioned, um, Pebble Mine, which is sort of related, but I was just curious if that's been Slang you've been able to carry on or if it's sort of taken a, a seat on the back burner? Um, a little bit of both. For me, the Arctic was a really great, like small example of like everything I wanted to work on because the Arctic has like complex science. It has complex human issues. It has, you know, the international aspect. It was like this perfect microcosm of everything that I wanted to learn about. Um and so I, I guess there haven't, I mean, I haven't dealt with any Arctic specific bills yet. Um, but I still, I mean, that experience thinking about the Arctic and in grad school, um, I had the opportunity um, to learn one of the Arctic indigenous languages. Um, and even, you know, through learning that language and learning more about culture, when I've met with tribes that come up to the hill, um, that's been a really, for me, a way to show like, I really do care about this. Um, here's what I know. Um, and I found it's made it easier for me to relate to folks that have really different experiences. Yeah. So, no, it does. It's a way to make connection and, and, uh, sort of find common ground with people, which is really important in that kind of work. I I'm yeah. curious, um, you know, you mentioned you got to go to Wales, which I'm pretty sure I called Scotland in, in, in email, but I was, I was trying, <laughs> I was close. Uh, and you went to the Caribbean in college and um, kind of did this more place-based uh, sort of work. Uh, has it been difficult? Or, I mean, now that you're kind of sitting in D.C., maybe removed from these actual places where so much of the work might happen on the ground, um, has that been difficult to sort of take a step back and, and work from afar? Or, or has that sort of just changed the way you've thought about that kind of work? I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yes, totally hard. Um, having, I mean, I love thinking about, you know, NOAA at general and like, how do we make sure that we fund all, you know, marine protected areas? Um, but I find I really miss some of that place-based stuff, which is why I get so excited when I get to like talk about Pebble Mine or meet with people that have that deep connection to place, because I think that's one of the things that I, I don't have out here. Yeah. And I mean, is, has that changed the way you've thought about these things? Because for me, uh, 
I don't know. It always feels like the most sort of fulfilling work happens like right there on the ground. But inevitably, we need people like you who are far away talking to other important people to sort of like guide the the policies around it. I mean, has it given you any sort of perspective on that? Um, Yeah. I mean, it's made me realize like if I choose to stay out in DC, um, I'm going to need to make a very explicit effort um, to have those place-based connections. And for me, that means, you know, in August, like I'm going to come back to Washington state. I'm going to go to Padilla Bay. I'm going to go out to the Olympic Peninsula. I'm going to make sure I maintain some of those strong place-based connections and make sure that the people that are doing that on the ground work have the support they need from the federal government to do so. Um, Cause otherwise like, you know, it's, it doesn't, doesn't feel as meaningful. Yeah. It can be hard when you're in a place like Bristol Bay or somewhere else that's under attack to feel, I imagine it can be hard to feel like the people in DC sort of like, they don't understand us, right? Like how they've never been here. How can they possibly know? Mm-hmm. And I think exactly. it's probably really important to keep those connections open. Um, uh, you mentioned kind of moving forward August and then later in January. Do you do you have a sense of, you know, what are you going to stay in D.C.? I mean, do you know? So you do you have an idea of where you might be going next or what the next step is? Yeah, I mean, long term, I'm coming back to the Pacific Northwest. I'm <laughs> Pacific Northwest born and raised. That's my my heart and soul. Um, but in terms of next year, I think I'm going to stay in Washington, D.C., Um, I think though, you know, I have, oh my gosh, like I have learned so much in the past four months about how things, like I've learned more in the past four months than I have in all of like a year of grad school. Mm. Um, and so I sort of feel like I I have a strong, I have a strong drive to be like a good public servant. Uh, and I feel, you know, I have the ability to stay in DC, um, and if I can, you know, continue to work, whether it's on the Hill or in NOAA, um, work on these issues for the benefit of like, you know, the, the greater good, however you want to take that, um, mm-hmm. then I, I'm going to try and do that. Cause I do feel like very fulfilled, but understand that living out here is not going to be a long term. Yeah. I I'd miss home too much, <laughs> Yeah, but I'm going to interesting events and, I don't know. I had this like surreal experience um, where there was this woman at the NRDC that I've admired for like, I don't know, years. And I've like read everything that she's written. uh, And I got to like pick up the phone and call her and she wanted to get coffee with me and talk to me. And that was like really amazing. Um, So I'm like meeting all these people that I've admired for years who actually like are willing to engage with a young person uh, interested in this field. And that's, it feels wild. Yeah. It's compelling for sure. I mean, it must make you feel like you're doing something right. <laughs> um, yeah. Also like biggest imposter syndrome in the world. Oh, that's so. it. Do you, do you still feel like you're suffering from imposter syndrome? Oh, absolutely. I mean, oh my God, I had to go to, um, a, a, a briefing about satellites and the like assistant administrator is there. And I like, I'm asking questions to this person who is absolutely brilliant and I know nothing. Uh, yeah, totally. I feel imposter syndrome like every day, every day. This is, uh, this is something that I, I 
also think comes up a lot <laughs> for for those of us who are still kind of forging our path, which I think is normal. Is like these moments of total insecurity. Like, am I even like, what am I doing here? Do I even deserve to be here? Um, have you ha- I mean, have you had any moments where you're like, yes, I'm, I'm in. I mean, you must have had moments where you're like, I'm in the right place. Like, I'm not an imposter. Yeah. Um, so luckily, my my boss on the Senate Commerce Committee um, is a former fellow in the same program as me. And so she was where I was eight years ago. And she is like, oh, my gosh, a strong, brilliant, like caring person. Um, and watching her really succeed is like, OK, I was where she was eight years ago. Um, but I sometimes have that guilt, like groups, you know, fly out from Washington to come and meet with me. And it's, it's a little, it's a little overwhelming, but then it's like, no, like you, you know, I remind myself, like, I deeply care about these issues and coastal people. And I actually understand, you know, the places they're talking about. And it's, it's okay that they're meeting with me. Yeah. And I will say, you know, I think always from, from the the individual, from the inside perspective, if you're like, oh man, everyone must know, I'm, that I'm winging it. But from the outside, like for me watching you, it seems, it seems so obvious that you're making strides and like in a place that makes total sense. So I don't know. I think, I think it's hard to convince yourself sometimes, but, um, yeah. And a big lesson someone told me is at least like on the Hill, when people come to meet with us, they're like, your job is to listen to them and make them feel like their time is worth it. It's like, if I can be a good listener and pay attention to these people that I'm doing my job. Yeah. So that, that helps me. Yeah. Well, I, I would encourage you to not feel like an imposter because I don't, I don't <laughs> think working for Senator of Washington on natural resources is imposter anymore. I think that's pretty, I think that's making it at least, uh, <laughs> at our, at our age, I feel like yeah. that's well on the way. Um, so, um, I also think a lot about DC, like we hear so much doom and gloom, right? <laughs> like the, yeah. of, the, of the, the status of, I don't know, our politics. I mean, as someone who's there sort of doing, like literally doing the work on the day to day, are you more hopeful, less hopeful? You know, has it, has it changed how you viewed our government or how that works? Yeah, it has. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with more hopeful. The, Oh, the people that work in Congress, for the most part, are some of the like hardest working public servants I've ever met. These are people who get paid terribly, who work way too many hours, and they're all doing it because they feel this like strong sense of like wanting to like do good for the most part. Um, I am absolutely wowed by the people that I work with and how much they care about their, you know, about, yeah, about society. Yeah. Um, so that part's been really amazing. Um, I've also seen, you know, behind the curtain, um, things are, you know, I mean, with a grain of salt, but things are way more bipartisan than you would think. At least among the staff, like people are good friends with people and Republican offices and having those relationships is so key to getting things done. And, you know, the stuff that the stuff that makes news is often, you know, where the conflict is. But there's a lot of really good stuff done that doesn't, you know, that, you, that we don't hear about. Sure. And obviously there's still those like giant political differences and, you know trying to cut environmental programs is never going to be cool. 
but there's <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> yeah uh admittedly like this administration um according to all the people i work with has made things a lot harder for them yeah but like we have um like a really good relationship with our counterparts on the senate majority side um that's that's ooh, yeah. oh it's actually refreshing to hear honestly i mean i it's sort of one of those things you hope is true, but it's it's so hard to tell because it does feel like a curtain um, that is yeah. very hard to see behind as sort of a regular citizen like walking around the world. And um, yeah. I'm encouraged to hear that the people there are, A, um, really, really care about what they're doing because I think it's easy to villainize, like, oh, Congress, like, they're just, you know, out oh, there yeah. screwing around. And I think it's really easy to say that without really understanding how much work is going into these things and just how slow a process it is, which is sort of one of the prices we pay for like a actual democratic <laughs> system. Um, yeah. And it's little things like, you know, um, Maria Cantwell and Lisa Murkowski just passed this huge public lands package that took like, I don't know, six years to do, but was like a huge win in this like, you know, incredibly polarizing time. Yeah. Um, that was, was that part of the land water conservation fund or was it a different thing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was in that public lands package. Yeah. No. And, and I think that was really, despite the, the, the environment, um, sort of being under attack, like you said, public land still obviously is something that both parties can get behind pretty, pretty strongly, apparently. Right. Because those, the land and water conservation fund for those who don't know it passed like what 90 to three or 90 to seven, I don't, whatever yep. the Senate is hundred people. I can do math. Um, yeah, it was like overwhelmingly passed. So I thought that was really yep. encouraging. Yeah. Great. So well, it's, yeah, most, mostly hopeful. There's obviously like still some of that, you know, partisan drama, um, which, you know, work is never boring, uh, <laughs> but it makes me more hopeful and, more hopeful than I was coming into it. Yeah. That's really great to hear. Um, well, yeah, I mean, is there any, is there anything coming up the pipe? Like, I don't know. Like, do you have any, any scoops? Like, is there stuff we should be looking out for? Like what's, uh, I don't know what's happening in there that we don't know about (laughs) that you can tell us about. (laughs) Yeah. Um, if nothing, that's that's okay too, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd say like, as, you know, it, it's really exciting to have Maria Cantwell as ranking member of the Senate Commerce Committee um, because she is sort of an environmental champion. And with this like new gavel in her hand, she wants to she wants to do more for the environment. She wants to do more for salmon. Like it's a it's, it's a really exciting um, change, I think, um, to have her at the helm of this this committee. Um. Something that's really cool this year, as you know, the Democrats took back the House. And so by taking back the House, we're going to be seeing so many cool bills coming out of the House and passed up to the Senate. And with that Democratic House that's pushing um, pushing things in the Senate, which is, I think, really cool. Um, so I'd say, like, first look to the House and see what's what's coming out. They have been doing some really cool stuff. Um, I know they just passed a couple bills um, out of committee in the house on ocean acidification. Um, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a cool time, especially to be in the house. Great. Um, that's exciting to hear. So, I mean, and that, 
in those cases, it comes from the House and then it goes to the Senate. I mean, I don't know. How do you how do, how do you all there sort of deal with the fact that then it has to get to the Senate? I mean, how much compromise is being baked into that? Yeah, um, this is sort of the like, how does a bill become a law? <laughs> yeah, right. What's that video we watched when you're in fifth grade? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm still wrapping my head around it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea is like, if you want something to pass, um, most bills in the Senate go by unanimous consent. And so that means that in a committee, all of the Democrats and all the Republicans like unanimously agree to pass something, which is kind of amazing to me that most things go by unanimous consent. Yeah. Um, on really controversial things, like some of the nominations, um, like Barry Myers, uh, who is the former head of AccuWeather, um, was nominated to be head of NOAA. Um, and the Democrats don't think this is a very good idea. And so that sort of controversial thing would go by voice vote, um, where every person, you know, you get them on record saying how they voted. Um, but for the most part, for bills to pass, you have to have bipartisan support. Um, and so people, you know, if there's strong pressure and that's sort of where these like lobbying groups come in and, you know, we'll want something on some environmental thing and we'll try and be like, okay, well, how do we make this more attractive to industry or what do we need to do to get Senator so-and-so on board? Like what groups should they be talking to? How do we, um, because essentially, if a bill doesn't have bipartisan support, it's not going to go anywhere. Gotcha. Um, so that's I mean, that's from the very get-go then when these things are written with that in mind. Yeah. yeah. And there will still be, I mean, bills that don't have bipartisan support. We call them messaging bills. And those are just to sort of make a statement about something. Hmm. Or you'll introduce a bill that can't pass in this Congress, but maybe if something changes, it could. Um, hmm. So those happen. Because it's sort of like show where you are on an issue. You can have a messaging bill. So you um, just stand up and say like, "This is what's this is what we think," even though it's not going <laughs> to pass right exactly, now. Like, exactly. Wow, that's interesting. Whereas, you know, if you look at, I mostly just know Senator Cantwell because she's my boss. Um, she's really focused for the most part on action items, so you won't see too many messaging bills come from her. Wow, I've learned so much in the last 30 minutes. It's amazing. <laughs> Hopefully it's not boring. No, I think it's really – I mean I I honestly think these are things that, like I said, we I don't think too much about or I don't understand or I don't know how to find them out um, sort of about yeah. how the government works, right? Because it feels like a black yeah. box at times. And uh, I think one thing that's been really interesting for me, I think uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has kind of been pu- pulling that curtain back a little bit, right? Show like – post things on Instagram or Twitter like this is how stuff actually works and you're like oh mm-hmm. that's way less that sort of makes sense I guess it's kind of common sense so I think it's really great to hear and I actually wanted to ask you sort of as we wrap up here I don't know if you have um, you know words of wisdom or you know just advice or things that uh, folks who care about public lands and care about land issues like you know what what's your call to action for them or uh, what's your yeah. words of wisdom Um, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, (laughs) but first vote, 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 especially at the local level, local politics impact everything. Um, second, if you're upset about something or you care about something, call your Senator's office. 
Like it actually matters. They pay attention. Um, my friends that work in Cantwell's personal office, like if, you know, we're blowing their phones up about Pebble Mine, that puts pressure on people. It send those emails, call. It is, uh, I think remembering that our senators work for us, um, is something I've really taken away is they, they, they are, uh, responsible to their constituents. Yeah. At least the good ones are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, broken record or not, I think, I think, uh, it's still important to hear that, especially from people who are on the inside of it and see the impacts it has. Cause it is one of those things that feels a little abstract at times. And I am guilty of not really, I don't think I've ever called my senator. Yeah. And we've all been guilty. And you're also like, who do I talk to? What's it like? And the answer is you're going to talk to like a young 20 something <laughs> who's getting, who's literally getting paid almost nothing. Um, but they're doing that job because they care and want to, you know, do good. And they're, they're real people and they pay attention. Um, yeah. I mean, I've called before, but this has sort of made me re-realize and, you know, those organizations that I, whether or not you donate or support them, but groups like, I don't know, the, whichever, whatever is your flavor, whether it's the Sierra club or the ocean conservancy, like they do a really good job of speaking up for their members. Um, and so supporting those types of organizations that do, you know, lobby, I know lobby is a dirty word, but, um, it, it matters, yeah. you know? Yeah, for sure. Awesome, Val. Well, it was really great to hear sort of what you've been up to and what, what we can expect from you. I'm sure you'll be Senator Cleland at some point in the future. Oh, no way. <laughs> no? And you're not going to be a senator? Mm-mm. You just said you're going to dedicate your life to public servancy. No? Okay. Well. I don't need to be a, uh, yeah, no, I'll be behind, <laughs> behind the scenes. Okay. All right. Director, commissioner, something, some fancy title. Um, no, I don't know about that. <laughs> you'll see it's on record now. Now it's on recording. There you so go. If, if it comes to pass, then we have evidence. Yeah, that was fun. We found hope in Val's behind-the-scenes perspective on our government's inner workings. To get involved, as Val suggests, calling your senators and representatives is a great place to start. You can go to callyourcongress.com to get started. Thanks for listening. Shattered me, collected and scattered me.